That's Wes. That's Andrew. We are Doc Rotten. And you're listening to Rock On Radio. Rock, Rock On. on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of Rock On Radio. It is I, your host, Danny Coleman, and I am live in studio as always with... Oh, there I'm live on your... What do you want? Facebook? Instagram. Instagram Live. Oh, Instagram Live. (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) And I'm apparently live on Instagram with Engineer Art. What's up, Art? Good afternoon, Sunday afternoon. I know. Producer Claire will be along for the late edition of Rock on Radio. We're doing two shows today. Uh, we're doing this very special show um, with our guest, Taylor Davis. Hello, Taylor. Hello, Danny. Thank Taylor. you so much for having me, my brother. Taylor, you've traveled a long way to be here today. I did, yeah, yeah. I've been going since uh, early, early Monday. I left Miami, and I got I left at like 6 a.m., and I got to D.C. around 9.30 at night. So, And I've been traveling a lot since then. So, yeah, Ooh. been a lot. And, and yeah, and you've been on the road since you got here. Yes. So if you want to uh, find out more about Taylor Davis, first thing you can do while we're live is you can tune in to this right here, coaradio.com, or uh, you can follow us on YouTube by going to the um, City of Angels radio page, same one, coaradio.com. Click on the YouTube link. And you can see us, and I'm pointing at you now. You can watch us from home. And I'll point at you on Instagram because you're closer. Oh, look at that. It makes my hand look like it's huge. Yeah, I had to have you in the shot, you know. I had to have you in the shot. There you go. Uh, Rock on Radio is brought to you by CPA Jody Weber, actress Eileen Sullivan, O'Connor's American Bar and Grill of East Hampton, Mount Holly, New Jersey, the official caterers of the Rock on Radio program, as well as... Uh, <laughs> Art, you found your glasses. Nice. <coughs> <laughs> Bridal Music. Bridalmusic.org, our good friend Michelle. Contact her if you're having a... a um, you need music for your wedding cocktail hour, private reception... A corporate event or any of those fun things, you contact Michelle and uh, check her out. She's a A1 top-notch flautist, um, and she usually uses some stringed instruments with her and provides nice background music for your event. Um, CBDLiveNatural.com or the Custom Candle Company of New York. Dot com, ny.com, uh, either one of those. They're beautiful candles made from old booze bottles. Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. Personally supplied that's by Danny Cole. That's right. That's my job, to that's drink good. myself into a Keep stupor the and up. then give them to her. Yes. Uh, no, she takes old booze bottles and takes sends them to a glazier, and he cuts them and smooths off the edges. And then she fills them with soy wax and some kind of scent yes. and uh, they're actually very nice uh sounds nice mm-hmm. i have a jack daniels one at home which is uh, a very nice can they last forever was it your bottle or was this theirs it was theirs oh okay i'm working i'm replacing them though okay good <laughs> <laughs> good uh who else sponsors us art <laughs> okay claire's not here i'm i'm doomed <laughs> oh well i'm sure we'll find out well, I think that's it. Eileen Sullivan and Jody Webber. Oh, yeah. Mention them. Uh, Mention them. 
Oh, yeah. our, our Mr. Hot Sauce. Mr. Oh, D.O. Byron. That's right. See, Zen <laughs> Archer Hot Sauce. We are the only radio program, to my knowledge, sponsored by a Grammy Award-winning hot sauce maker, Mr. D.L. Byron. Wow, I'm a big hot sauce fan. Oh, yeah. Zen Archer Hot Sauce. He wrote uh, Shadow of the Night for Pat Benatar back in 1984 or whatever and won a Grammy in 85 for Rock Song of the Year or something like that. That's fantastic. And to hear D.L. tell the story, it's pretty funny. He's like, yeah, you know, one day somebody showed up at my door with this box and I opened it up and it's a Grammy Award. Whoa. All wow. Right. So what you do with it? I put it back in the box. <laughs> yeah. Most but, of those uh, guys, they don't display their trophies. Yep, I, I correct. Learned, so. Yeah, most of those guys. I, I, I'll I, never win a Grammy Award, I could tell you that right now. Never say never. Never say never. I don't know what I would win one for. Doesn't mean that you can't win one. <laughs> <laughs> or steal one. <laughs> if you want to follow along tonight, or this afternoon, you can do so by, well, first of all, if for some unexplainable, strange reason you wish to find out more about me, you can go to D-C-R-O-R, dcroor.com, which is my website, and you can find all the Rock on Radio information there, uh, my brand new blue show, <coughs> which is called Danny Coleman's Got the Blues, which is on WWFM 89.1 FM Radio HD2, or online, you can find it at jazzon2.org, and that airs Monday nights at 7 o'clock on uh, that station. From 7 to 8, and I play blues music from old artists, new artists, to uh, this, tomorrow night, Art starts the first installment of the Fiedler Files. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeff Fiedler, the president of Aqualung Records, graciously donated from a friend, uh, an entire collection of 78 RPM records. So nice. I spin a couple of those, some old stuff and some, uh, <clears throat> I mean, they were pristine. Like they just came off the, the press, you know. And uh, actually, that's our guest tonight, Matt Portella. His gig is at the vault in oh, Berlin, oh, which in is Berlin. why he's coming in to promote it. Yep, so his gig is at the vault. I've been there. Um, great place. It's, uh, some, it's a performance uh, center is only holds like 70 or 80 people but it's also called the vault because a group of um, 30 something men bought the rights to the rca victor catalog and since the very first vinyl record was pressed in camden new jersey ever they preserved all the history they've got some of the original cells and some of the original sheet music and and from performers that came through the rca wow. victor Very interesting. plant yeah, that's, that's during great. the back in the day and that's why matt will be in tonight but 609-241-7103 if you want to give us a call and reach out to um taylor this afternoon uh, or dylan or art or myself uh you can you can do that uh, by calling six. My wife's going to call and say she needs milk. She needs <laughs> milk. <laughs> Take her some creamer. <laughs> 609-241-7103. Or, as I said, the website is dcror.com. Uh, we also uh, will be putting up a thing about the podcasts. The podcast. We are now carried on Anchor FM podcast. I saw that today. Uh, soon to be on Spotify and Apple Podcast as well. So uh, check that out. Matter of fact, this show will be up uh, tomorrow as soon as uh, Engineer Art does his thing with the file and I get it. 
it'll be up online at those locations. So they'll be able and to find you. as well. Yeah. There you go. Well. Uh, and uh, Instagram and Twitter, at Rock On Radio. All one word, all capital letters. It'll get you there either way. Did you get me, Dylan? Did you find it? Yeah, I did. Perfect. There you go. Uh, <clears throat> Danny Coleman's Rock On Radio 2. The number two on Facebook, facebook.com slash Danny Coleman's Rock On Radio 2. <sighs> and now that that's all done, let's get back to the reason why we're here. Mr. Taylor Davis, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. I'm, I'm grateful <laughs> to be here with you today So and be sitting down, which is nice. So. <laughs> right? It is a pleasure to... Um, <clears throat> It's a pleasure to uh, meet you. Thank you so much. We've Same here. We've spoken multiple times over the last week or two. Uh, and, uh, well, where are you from in Florida? Well, I'm actually originally from Indiana, uh, proudly. I'm from Bloomington, Indiana, which is like 45 minutes south of Indianapolis. Isn't that the same? Wasn't that Serge that was in here last week from uh, the Dives? Yes. That's where he's from, the Bloomington. Really? Two people in less than Indiana. a week. Go figure that. Wow. And, uh... Yeah, no, I just live in Miami, Florida with uh, my girl and my dog, but uh, and I'm basically there, you know, for, for music, but uh, I'm not originally from Florida, but I, I did spend some time on the west coast of Florida and now a year and a half in Miami, so I got some some roots and connection there now, I guess. So. Where'd you live on the west coast? Uh, Fort Myers. Fort I have Myers a relative who lives in Fort Myers. Really? How about that? See? Really, it's a small, I, I see a little connection between Jersey and Fort Myers. Uh, Garrett, we were talking about Gary Cavico before the show right. from the Winos, and Gary has some sort of family member or something that I saw that lives in, in Naples or something like that. So it's a very small world, you know. Music makes the world smaller. Gary Gary used to host a, a really cool blues jam at uh, this bar in Bradley Beach. Now it's a ground round, but it, it was attached to the bowling alley. It used to be called Brewster's Pub. Okay. And, and Gary would, would host a, a blues jam there, which yeah, is pretty cool. There's not many more people, especially my age, that you're going to meet around here that has more <laughs> respect for Gary. You know, they... Uh, the winos have done a lot, you know, for me and uh, and stuff while I've been up here on tour. Vinny, Vinny Lopez is, is someone I have a tremendous amount of respect for. But Gary is one of the when, – when you watch Gary play, it's it's class in session for sure. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Gary's. Nice. Very cool. Uh, you know, they, not to take up uh, too much time, but I will since we got two hours. Sure. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, actually – um, I used to play drums with a woman who's currently on tour right now with Richard Thompson as one of his backing vocalists on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> her name's Zara Phillips. Zara, I, I used to play drums for Zara, and then she kind of stopped doing music because um, she was concentrating on a one-woman play that she had written, and she had it on Off-Broadway in New York, and she was doing really well. She was it was directed by the actor Eric Roberts, who was a friend of hers. Yeah, and, uh, yeah I know Eric Roberts. And um, not personally, but I know who he is. Uh, well, she would, she uh, she took it to San Francisco, took it to Orlando, took it to I think Seattle. I want to say she she That's and then fantastic. over to over to London where she's from. And uh, there's a drummer by the name of Steve Holly. Steve Holly played with Wings from 19. 19- I want to say 77 or 78 to 81. Okay. Uh, so we play with Paul McCartney and Wings, and Steve also Legend. Steve also plays drums for a band that, that we know, the Criers. The Criers are from Central Jersey area, Marlboro, that type of thing, and uh, um, they also 
they do two things. They back up Denny Lane, who was also in Wings and the Moody Blues, mm-hmm. and they back up John Ford Coley of England Dan and John Ford Coley. Okay. Know? And one night, they, and they do one gig a year in New Jersey. They're from New Jersey. They do one gig a year in New Jersey, and it's at this little joint in Bordentown called The Record Collector. And uh, they do a Christmas show every year. Okay. So I go to the Christmas show, and there's Steve Holly sitting on the drum kit. So him and I start talking because I was broadcasting it live. 67 Ludwig drum kit he's got. He takes it on the road with him. And I'm like, I got 76 Ludwig rockers. So we start talking. And he said, uh, somehow it came up about the town he was from and just outside of London. I said, oh, a woman I play drums for is from that same town. He goes, oh, or, or out a different town on the outskirts of London. He said, well, who's that? I said, Zara Phillips. He goes, oh, my God. He said, you're kidding me. I played drums on the the record she did with DMC two on you know two or I'm legit. I said, yeah. No kidding. Crazy, huh? So, <laughs> Small so, world with music. And he's like, yeah, how is she? I said, well, dude, first of all, I've been playing your drum parts for the last five years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so show me something, will you? Yeah. You know. But wow. So here, you know, you're talking about across an entire ocean, and we know somebody through the power that is music. Yeah, it's really insane. I have a good friend and. Uh, London, uh, I guess is a perfect chance to mention his name. His name's Enrique Cesar, and he's an amazing musician. And he transports back and forth, travels from Miami where his mom lives, and comes for a little bit, and we, we do some shows together. And then he spends most of his time in London uh, near the West End. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Music does make the world a lot smaller. So you And with social media nowadays, you can you oh, know, yeah. have music relationships with people that you haven't even met yet long before you actually meet them you know so it's it's pretty pretty incredible how uh how much does social media um come into play for you since you're on the road well you have to you have to be i mean we're on it right now yeah of course yeah you have to be (laughs) cognizant of it you know you have to uh i've been doing something on this tour that i regretted all i've been this is my fourth time in jersey in the last year Uh, i was up here last year for the the big man bash and we did a tour uh while we were up here me and jerry clemens and um the regret each time I got back from tour was that I didn't have enough content, you know, uh, because it's like, uh, what, what do they say? If a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it, does it actually fall? You know, it's like that, you know. Uh, it's not about always about the show. Sometimes you'll, you'll gain some of your best fans by, they'll see the, you know, a clip from the show two weeks later and say, oh man, I can't believe you played that song. That was great. And they weren't even at the show. Maybe they live right. in a different country. Maybe they're halfway across our country. So it plays a, a, a prominent role. You know, I'm, I'm lucky. I've, I've, you know, had good photographers and stuff and my girl's a fantastic photographer so constantly getting uh pictures that we can use for posters and yeah it's i think that that metaphor about if the tree if you don't hear the tree you know does it really fall the social media basically blows up everything that you do you know if you're doing the show not only going to have the show for the people that are there but you're going to have photos for afterwards that'll live on forever and you have video that you can look at you know 20 years from now which i think is a you know, ir- irreplaceable. So yeah, yeah there's, there's a good amount. One of the things that uh, <laughs> recently I was fortunate enough to be at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Okay, I was for just the, there the for other the day. final. Oh yeah, who'd you see? No, no, I wasn't. At, I was in Philly. There. Oh, you're I in Philly on South Street to start. Oh the yeah, tour. where yeah. at? Where at? Uh, Bob and Barbara's Lounge. 
which is a second. So I started in D.C. the first night at okay. the Electric Maid, and then I was in D.C. the next night. And uh, the owner tells me that, that uh, they're one of the last couple places keeping live music alive on yeah. South Street, which is sad. Yeah. But uh, I drove right past the Wells Fargo Center. That's what I meant. So. Well, I was there November 1st to see the last Bob Seger show. Oh, my gosh. Like, ever. Big fan. Right? So. Bob Seger pretty much wrote the soundtrack to my life. First time I saw him was, I think, 83. What's your favorite Seeger song? Uh, for me? I know that's tough to say because there's so many great ones. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, there is so much Seeger that I could just, that I love. Um, Roll Me Away, oh, I, I was, think, is. That's is, my favorite for sure. Is that, because well, I've actually stood at the Continental Divide, oh, wow. which is a lyric in that. And, uh, standing out of the Great Divide. Yeah, and you just I look at east, it. I could go like, west. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, and uh, uh, You'll Accompany Me is another one. Yeah. Um, oh, God, I, I could go on. It, yeah. yeah. Still the same. Mm, right? Uh, yeah. There's just so many, and some is from his earlier stuff, Traveling Man and yeah, Beautiful well, Loser. And, uh, you know something I love to learn? Uh, I'm a big Eagles fan, but I'm a, I'm a real big fan of Glenn Fry's, you know. Uh, I, I miss the world every day that he's not in it, you know. I think it's a t- it was a terrible tragedy. But uh, to know that he did those background vocals, you can actually hear him if you really listen on Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. And he was only like 17 or 18 yeah, years yeah. old, and he, he was singing his ass off too, you know. At his tribute, he actually... Um, <clears throat> At his concert, that last concert, he actually did this Bob Dylan tune. It was a cover. Um, oh my gosh, the name escapes me right now. But anyway, he had the, the huge screen behind the stage, of course, and he um, he uh, dedicated the tune to everybody we've lost in music over the years. So, yeah. and he mentioned Glenn Fry before Bowie, he, yeah, you know, and a lot yeah. of people, you know, Prince. Yep. It was a really cool video. Um, Actually, I'm going to just mention it briefly right now, but we'll, I'll talk about it in the evening show some more. Uh, we just lost in Asbury Park just two days ago. We just we lost. If there was ever an angel on earth, we lost her. A uh, young lady by the name of um, Angelia Pillay passed away unexpectedly, 33 years old. Angelia was one of my first guests ever on this program when yeah. she was only 23 years old. First time I ever encountered her, I was like, wow. She was just absolutely stunningly beautiful. Had the voice literally of a of an angel or or you know, a, a siren from the old she would have she would have uh, um coerced many a sailor (laughs) to ground their ships um beautiful she was i used to call her the total package you still all the time kid you're the total package she could sing she could dance she could act she was a model she did and she she was a great singer songwriter and her name again i'm sorry angelia play she was supposed to play she had a gig she'd been battling ms i believe was ms for the last several years she had moved out to california she moved back um because of her disease and uh she was actually set to do a gig at the stone pony and never made it so but i'll talk a little bit more about that later uh so yeah we lost terrible uh, tragedy we lost an angel for sure um in asbury prayers for her family for sure yep so uh yeah, there's tributes all over the place to her. And when you lose somebody like that so unexpectedly, 
it's yeah. it's very strange. Yeah, you're feeling in a place you didn't expect, you know. Does that kind of thing inspire you? Do you ever have any song? What inspires you more, sadness or, or happiness? Great question. One of the best questions I've probably been asked. Uh, I heard Don Henley say that uh, they asked the the uh, uh, big um, uh, Buddhist uh, gentleman, uh, he was big in the community, uh, a monk or something like that, and they asked him if all great art was inspired by sadness, and he didn't understand the question. You know, uh, so, but yeah, I think to answer your question straight on, yeah, I feel like unfortunately, uh, sadness, you know, does inspire some of the best songs because out of despair comes a lot of great things, you know, now I've written, you know, uh, some happy songs, but it's, it's more of a struggle to make those songs feel realistic. I feel like than the sad songs, you know, uh, and for me, music has been so, and the lyrical content has been so inspiring to pull me out of, of dark places before. And so I think that was one of the main inspirations of, hey, you know what, if I could turn my sadness and my my scenarios that haven't been so great in life into uh, things that can help other people rise out of wherever they're at. That is, I mean, that's the main reason to do it. But yeah, I, I think probably sadness, but I'd like to get to a point to where, I mean, I'm a happy guy. I'm probably the most happy I've ever been in my entire life. You know, I got a great girl. I got a dog. My, my family's all healthy. I'm healthy. You know, life is good. You know, I get to travel around the country and play music. You know, what, what better life could you have? So I'm a happy guy, but I still feel the most inspiration probably from writing the, the, the more sad songs, I guess. So, uh, yeah, it's easier to write when you're depressed. Yeah. <laughs> it's also the the struggles behind that sadness. The struggles are the most relatable thing to anyone who's hearing that song. Yeah. So um, I think more than the sadness itself, it's the struggle that, that's making you sad, that's uh, making you feel bitter. You inside. find that same issue, Dylan? I think so. I find it's harder to write uh, happier songs. Of course, I, I try to. I try to... To have upbeat songs, especially because when you're playing out at pubs, that's what people want you to play. They want you to play a, a nice upbeat song. So I have a couple of them, but sadness pours out. It, yeah. it really does, and it sound sounds well with uh, six strings. Yeah, it works. Well, why don't we do some music? Want to do some music? Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> what would you like to do? Um, I think I'm gonna play something off my. I have a new original song uh, that I'd like to do. Uh, I'm working on a new record that I know will be out this year, and I, I got a good amount of songs for it already. Uh, I'm just very, uh, <laughs> very particular about the lyrics, and uh, so I take a while, you know, I take a while on the lyrics to make sure that that it's right and trying to tell a story because uh, that's really what I think maybe I do best is the the narrative and telling the story. Um, wrote this song about a. Uh, uh, mental health you know i'd had my own first encounters with some mental health stuff of just realizing you got to take better care of yourself sometimes than you realize you know and sometimes uh trying to take care of others uh before taking care of yourself can lead to uh you know can lead to you being in a bad place mentally so um i was thinking to myself you know we lock our doors each night you know uh before i me and my girl, my dog, we go to bed. I make sure that the doors are locked. It's kind of the, the man's job. I felt like I grew up watching my dad lock the doors at night and stuff. And uh, But how do you lock the doors from when, you know, enemies get in, in your head, when you let things inside that uh, you wish weren't there? How do you how do you rid those things and keep your mind safe? So um, we're this little three-chord blues song, and uh, 
has taken me. I wrote it about six six months ago and started playing it live about a month and a half, two months ago, and uh, I really like it. It's the start of my new record, and I, I like the way that it sounds. My last record's with the band. This is a little more stripped down. This new this new record I'm working on, and it's nice that this is the first song. You know, so this song is called "The Devils Are Here." Struck us down in the middle of the storm The black dog moves I was a wishing and a hoping and a praying for peace Cease fire never cease, please Hold my hand as I weep I've been stuck inside now for weeks Crawling in a scratch of fingernails on the wall Am I in it at all? Am I in it at all? No voices in the air, nobody to call So if you find me in the wilderness Please bring me back home the sinners aren't in hell cause the devils are here The devils are here Hear no evil, see no evil when you whisper in my head The devils are here The devils are here You never see them coming, you just feel them air, you know You just feel them air, you know That the devils are here If I don't check myself, I might wreck myself It's too soon to say my prayers don't get where they're going sometimes I'm just in the way There's no fairy tale in this mental hell I'm a broken well, I might be too late to say Too late to face When it's in the room, you just don't feel the same It just knows you by name Can't go back from the home where we came Prison is shame I might just die in these flames Might just die in these flames the sinners on in hell cause the devils are here The devils are here Hear no evil, see no evil when you whisper in my ear The devils are here The devils are here You never see them coming, you just feel them and you know You just feel them and you know That the devils are here The devils are here. The devils are here. Hear no evil, see no evil when you whisper in my ear. The devils are here. The devils are here. You never see them coming, you just feel them air, you know. You just feel them air, you know. That the devils are here. Taylor Davis here on Rock On Radio. If you want to give us a call, please do so at 609-241-7103. You can watch us on YouTube, as I'm waving at you there on YouTube. I'm watching you on Instagram, where you're watching me and, and Taylor on Instagram. Uh, <clears throat> we're also uh, tonight... Uh, oh, I want to say hi to... Uh, I want to say hi to Loretta. Loretta is listening to us this afternoon. Very cool. Uh, <clears throat> so nice that uh, she's tuning in. Again, 609-241-7103. If uh, you want to give us a call while Art's doing, I don't know, Art's re-rigging. <laughs> <laughs> re-rigging. 
re-rigging. Uh, <clears throat> tonight um, at 7 o'clock, I got Matt Portella coming in uh, to uh, discuss his upcoming event at the Vault in Berlin, New Jersey, uh, which is a, a really cool venue, as I said. Um, again, tomorrow night is Danny Coleman's Got the Blues on WWFM 89.1. And then uh, and jazzon2.org online, streaming there, too, as well. You can check that out from 7 to 8. You might even hear yourself. First show, I, I featured quite a few Jersey Shore artists, including Bruce Springsteen. Oh, nice. Wow. <laughs> so his uh, little rendition of Pony Boy that he did from, I guess it was in the film The Outsiders that when they redid it. Yeah, you talk I about like you talk about like the, the sure. one that from the early '90s, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those on either Human Touch or Lucky Town, something yeah, like one that. Of near those. the end. Yep. Yeah, one of those. Um, all right, so now you two, you and Matt, or Dylan. you and Matt, you and Dylan have done a gig together. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, actually two gigs in the last two days, and today we'll make gig three. We played Friday night at Langhorn in Langhorn at uh, uh, Manny, Manny Browns. Okay. And that was a lot of fun. And then we played last night in Union Beach at a place called Dowling's, an Irish pub up there. Okay, I know and, where that uh, is. That was an amazing crowd. Yeah, they, they did a lot of singing along and stuff. And uh, tonight we're at uh, in Ocean Grove for a private event at uh, Odyssey Coffee uh, with Bobby Mahoney and with Jennifer Karma. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Jen. Jen oh, I've done gigs with Jen before. Yeah, Jen, she's, she's great. She's yeah. great. We played together at the Asbury Hotel in September, and uh, what, a, what a sweet soul. Yeah. So. I love her. She's great. Great. Uh, and she's a good talent, too. Um, yeah, she is. She's a motivated one for sure. That's that's what I always yeah. look for is the hustle, and she's she's got it. So. Yeah, and and she does her own yoga thing, and yeah, um, uh, she's uh, and she's easy on the eyes. Too. <laughs> uh, uh, last I actually last I saw Jen was back in April. I emceed an event called um, the this the Asbury Sirens. It was at Clinch's Gallery. Okay, I think uh, I might have saw that on social. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, we had the. Uh, that was a string where uh, was that April? No, was that when was that event? It had to be later. In a- April was the Asbury Hotel when we had yes. the 10th anniversary bash. Yeah. So I think it was maybe August is the last I saw Jen. I'm trying to remember when that Women of Song was, but I uh, saw her not long after that for the Meta for the first time. We did. Uh, I booked a gig once again because of uh, Bobby and Bobby's been a lot of help. But I. Uh, Booked at the Asbury Hotel one night. I think it was like maybe a Thursday night or something. It's just starting to get cold in Asbury. It was a nice time though, weather-wise. And uh, Jennifer was on that gig. She had her band with her, you know. Okay. And I think she's doing more solo work in the, in 2020. But uh, yeah, she she was great, you know. And Let's I really go down that along the beach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wind swept down the boardwalk. Hey band. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So well. Did you two just meet each other? Uh, Dylan came to a few shows uh, uh, early on. Uh, I want to say we were trying to figure out if it was all three shows at Clenches or not. But uh, it was definitely in June. And uh, I think I saw him in September again as well. And... uh, he was just super enthusiastic, and I, I, like I was talking about with Jennifer and stuff, that's what I, I look for. It's like the hustle and the enthusiasm. He was super enthusiastic, and uh, when I was putting together the new tour, I was like, you know what, I'd love to do something with this guy. You know, he's a talented musician, he's a hustler, and uh, he just got a great spirit, you know. So uh, kind of all stemmed from that, and I, I asked him if we could do something, and within a short amount of time, he got back to me, and he had, he had two things, and I had the show in Ocean Grove, so we kind of just, you know, it ended up working out Friday, Saturday, Sunday together. So yeah. it's been pretty cool. Having the whole weekend was just just perfect. So tell me, Dylan, 
Uh, well, first of all, what what do you what do you uh, what instrument do you play? I play guitar okay. predominantly right now. I'm saving up for a keyboard. I, I'm a a jack of all trades, but uh, <laughs> finances definitely prohibit yeah, that. It always gets in the yeah, way, I, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right, right before this, we were just talking about you're putting your money in, you're putting your money in, and you're putting your money in, and there's always going to be something else to buy. Yeah, it's but, always, uh, it's always, yeah, it's always leaving your hand. Yeah. Dylan said the other day, he said, uh, someone's, I think it was Dylan, I ran into so many people in the last week, but I think it was Dylan that said, someone's always going to have nicer stuff, you know? Yeah. So. Definitely. Yeah. That's true. So then, what I did was I proved them all wrong, and I bought the best PA system <laughs> I could buy, and now I'm in debt. <laughs> <laughs> And if you're an original music artist, you always will be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there it is, right? Um, go get him, young fella. <laughs> so, well, two two things. One is I want to ask Dylan. The second is, is about Bobby Mahoney. So don't let me forget that. Okay. Because a lot of times my the train of thought gets derailed. Okay. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when now when the first time you saw Taylor. Mm-hmm. Did you go see him because you had heard of him, or did you just happen to stumble upon him by accident? So. And what is it? This is actually such a funny story. So I know Bobby Mahoney because in high school, he was my teacher for music. He wasn't even my teacher on the side. All the way in Princeton, New Jersey, about an hour away from from Asbury, uh, he happened to be my teacher. And I knew he was playing (laughs) playing a show, and I knew he was coming up from Miami. So... And and on top of that, I'm friends with everyone at the Transparent Gallery uh, in Asbury, so I was like, this is a show I have to be at. And um, I remember going, and I didn't think they were going to really know each other. I thought it was just going to be a show where they just stumbled upon each other and were like, I'm first, you're second, all right. Um, but they knew each other, everyone knew each other, and... Uh, now I know every everyone That's how Asbury connected. Park is, you know? Everyone Everybody connected in that circle. <laughs> yeah. So that 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 was really crazy because before I was even I was going to Asbury for years to watch music, but I've only been gigging for maybe a, under a year now. Um, What's your favorite venue in Asbury? I've been doing some work for the Saint recently, so that that place has definitely taken Mr. Stamper. a yeah a piece of my heart just because. Just because one of my favorite artists, also Joey Henderson, who just moved to uh, moved to California, he was like the child working there. Like he was like raised by the saint and uh, and always working there growing up. And I just like felt that passed on to me, like to some extent, at least for the past three months that I've been working there uh, when he went to California. So that was like special for me. There you go, the saint bastion of original music that it is yes you know what i there's two places in asbury i haven't seen a live show yet and i keep trying to make it happen but i'm either playing a show or we get done with the show too late i'd love to see i haven't seen a show at the saint yet or at the asbury lanes so those are on my my bucket list yeah they just redid the asbury lanes it's beautiful i did get to go inside but they didn't have a show going on it's 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 incredible the sound is just Amazing. Very cool. Yeah, we always get done too late or something like that. But we played the Berkeley Hotel before, and oh, I'm playing. Berkeley. I'm playing the. Uh, I'm doing a, a, a song or two with Bobby and the band uh, Friday at the Pony, and then I'll be playing the after party at the at the Berkeley Hotel. We played Clancy's in Ocean Grove, you know. Uh, oh yes, so. we know Clancy's well. We like Clancy's, man. We <laughs> yes, like Clancy's. Yes, we do. We love G- Clancy's. Give us give us some food and a, and a little bit of cash, and we can hang out with your people that'll sing at the bar and drink beer all night. And so multiple we love it. half. 
and halves, and we're good to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're actually here because of Bobby Mahoney. Yeah, yeah, and I have no problem saying that at all. Bobby, uh, he, uh, <laughs> we, we developed a relationship a year ago uh, when me and uh, Jerry Clemens were up here on tour, and uh, we, we, were dry, we were talking when we were planning the tour. Uh, we were going to do the Big Man Bass shows, and then we were going to do some shows after that. And uh, he's like, you know, it'd be, we were just getting to know each other. He's like, yeah, you listen to Bobby Mahoney's music. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And we had never met Bobby, you know. Even Jared, with, with the roots being in New Jersey, Jared's actually from Florida, you know. So, But we we never met him. And I, I was like, well, it'd be really cool if we could do something with him. So we ended up doing something at uh, the drummer in Bobby's band, James McIntosh. Um, we did something at James's mom's place, uh, Espresso Joe's in Keyport, New Jersey. And uh, James and Bobby both said, yeah, we'll come out and play and support you guys and stuff. Gosh, and Espresso they came Joe's. out. I haven't been there forever. And, uh, yeah, Felicia McIntosh is one of my favorite people. And uh, so... They did that with us, and uh, I told Bobby, you know, they came in. They came in June when we were back on on our summer tour. Uh, them and the Winos came and played with us at the Clinch Gallery that, that Dylan was talking about. And uh, I told him, I said, listen, whenever you guys do your tour, you got to come to Miami so I can take care of you the way that you guys are taking care of me. So um, they made their tour down to Miami just a couple months ago, and uh, we got them a show at Lincoln's Beard Brewing Company, which is a, a venue I work with in Miami, great venue, and. Uh, uh, we packed the house. They came and played. They broke down about 11 miles from the venue, so we we drove, picked them up, got everything there, and uh, and they killed it. Miami showed them a lot of love, and it's one of the best bands anyone in Miami definitely has seen for sure. And uh, we were having a conversation at the hotel that night, and he said, uh, "Do you have plans to come up for light of day?" And I said, "Well, I'd like to, but you know, I don't really have any plans as of right now." And he said, well, he says, you know, I'm going to be doing the after party at the hotel. You could come and play on that. You could come up with us at the Pony, you know, and I, I could try to help you. He's always been great to help. You know, he got me in at the Asbury Hotel, uh, you know, and always done stuff to support us. So, he, and not only is he one of my favorite people, but their music is just phenomenal. You know, he's one of the, I've traveled the country. He's one of the best young songwriters I've, I've run across. So, and, and just a solid dude for sure. Everyone in that band has a good heart, you know, so. I've. I'd, I'd love to get him in, in here on the program, <laughs> especially now that I know. I'm seeing him in a little bit. I'm definitely <laughs> gonna, I'm definitely gonna mention to him when I, uh, when I see him. You know, because yeah, he's been today. doing really well, uh, especially around the Jersey Shore circuit the last couple of years. You know? Yeah, they, they're, they're, they got two new singles out. Should have called you up last night. And uh, nothing for nothing. And I'll tell you, uh, I've listened. I told him, I said, I'm, I'm partly responsible for most of those streams on social media and uh, Apple Music and Spotify. I think should called you up is one of the one of the best original songs I've ever heard. Hmm. You know, it's got all the great elements of of the great New Jersey people. You know, right. Springsteen, Bon Jovi, Southside. You know, and I firmly see that he's got. I was just telling Dylan last night, he's got his thumbprint on. Uh, on the pulse of what's going on, you know, in, in, in the community. And that's super important. You know, you can't just show up and play music and expect that people are going to, you know, uh, love what you do. And that you got to, you know, have a connection with them. And he definitely does. You know, I run into a lot of people that if they don't, you know, know him, then they've heard of him or they've heard of the band's music, you know. So he's been doing it since he was 15, you know, playing on the pony stage at 15 years old. I mean, you know. Right. That's You're crazy. lucky if you ever get a chance to play there. And he's been doing it solidly. And they, they took me till I was 46. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, he uh, not only that, but when the band plays there, they pack the place out, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and he started out. He told me playing for a room of like ten, twelve people, 
at the pony, you know, so yeah. uh, it's it's pretty inspirational, you know, a lot of what I do in Miami, I curate shows around artists, not only doing my own thing, so I have a massive amount of respect for, uh, you know, the fact that he really is involved in the community, you know, and he's smart, he's a smart guy about w- what it takes to... To, to do it, you know, and to do it well, you know, I mean, they've opened for Against Me, for Bon Jovi, playing in front of, you know, 20,000 people, and uh, not only that, they have a great presence on the road, you know, I mean, they, they blew Miami away, for sure. You know? Fantastic. So. You also don't just get a spot at light of day at the Stone Pony. Yeah. You don't just get that year, year and year again. You yeah. Know, you well, do they, something they, right to get back. They know him, you know, William's Honor, he plays with William's Honor oh, as yeah, well. Oh, yeah, with Reagan and... Uh, yeah, oh. and... Uh, you know, he was on stage. Uh, he was tuning. I saw. I was backstage last year at the Paramount for Bob's Bash, and uh, he was tuning John Eddie's guitars, and then he was playing out with somebody else, and he was running around all night, all night. I never got a chance to really talk to him. He just walked by and he said, "Hey, pal," and then he just kept moving all the way around through the night. So, yeah, he's a uh, he's magnanimous. He's got that. He's he's got that that hustle and in leaps and bounds. He could give some away and still have plenty. So, hmm. nice. If you're just tuning in, this is a special edition of Rock On Radio. I am Danny Coleman. My guest this evening is Taylor Davis. And over there, we have Dylan Schindler. Um, let's do some more music. Sure. Um, I think we, I'd like to play something off of the CD, off my last record. Yeah, we could do right. that. Um, the second song off the record is a song called On the Road Again. And uh, I've always loved those fast-paced uh rock songs but i wanted to do something that brought my my lyricism especially on the last record is is different than than most of the lyricism i I do some plenty of singing and plenty of covers and i have original music where i sing but my spoken word cadence is in a lot of the songs and uh this song is basically like one of those uh i hope classic type rock songs that has my own little edge on it and uh song's called uh, on the road again i stole the title from willie nelson of course so yeah (laughs) there you go uh Again, 609-241-7103. If you want to give us a call, I'll give you one of these CDs or maybe both of these CDs, whatever we want to do here. Uh, It's for you Instagram people, too. 609-241-7103. And right now, this is Taylor Davis here on Rock On Radio and his song called On The Road Again. From nowhere ain't looking back On the road to somewhere That's where we're at We turn the radio Just way too loud Dim the lights And still the crowd We're rock stars In our dreams Blasters in our jeans Everything's in the back Of a car going somewhere And I wanna ride with you This American dream Or this American lie Which one do we believe Which one can we conceive It's my last night here I just have to leave I just have to go I just have to run She said who you running from I said everyone Clock strikes in And I close the gap It's a black Back, back, back in the black world map But I'm gone With the wind down my sails And this guitar here I'm strong as hell So Live with me, this American dream, this late night scene It was you and me 
Taylor Davis and his song called On the Road Again. On the Road Again. I love Willie Nelson, of course. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, yeah. I grew, grew up in Indiana. My dad played all the great country, you know, guys, Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard, Chris Christopherson, John Prine. So I grew up with that. But he also played Petty, the Eagles, Springsteen, of course. Uh, you know, and my mom was the opposite end of the spectrum. My mom played like Journey and Aerosmith and Linda Ronstadt and Prince, you know. So, and I, I did my own discovering. I discovered people like Jackson Brown on my own and discovered Dylan. You know, when I asked my parents what they thought about Dylan, they're like, oh, he can't sing, you know. So, uh, I found Dylan <laughs> on my own. <laughs> yeah, Charles and Charles are my days and our nights. <laughs> I, I love Dylan. Dylan's one of my, Dylan and Bruce rank right up there, you know. So, uh, just telling the story, you know, and I love their acoustic stuff the most, the early Dylan stuff, you know, Bruce's Nebraska, Ghost of Tom Joad, you know, Devils and Dust. Uh, I, I like that stuff, you know, a lot. I feel like less is more. So when I was a kid in, in Nebraska, when I say kid, I was in my mid twenties, I guess when, the, or maybe late twenties when Nebraska came out, um, <clears throat> it was universally panned. You know, because I think it was, I think it came out between the river and, and born in the USA. Born in the USA. Yeah. And I think it was universally panned because, you know, the river was so upbeat and a double album of just yeah. this brilliant live Jersey Shore type of what yeah, they call Cadillac the Jersey Ranch. Shore type of stuff. Yes. Yeah, I'm a rocker, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. You know, um, I got a crush on you. And, yeah, uh, yeah. You can look, but you better not touch. Can, right? Yeah. Uh, what was the other one? Two Hearts. Um, no, the, yeah, but the one that... Uh, uh, I know that album pretty well. The Price You Pay. Nope. Uh, Wreck on the Highway. Uh, the Ties That Bind. Uh, nope. Hungry Heart was on that album. Um, uh, Fade hey, Away. Hey, hey. What do you say? Sherry Darling. Sherry Darling, yeah. Yep. Your mother's yapping in the back seat. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's my dad's actually my dad's favorite. Uh, Instagram went out. Instagram, yeah, you got to hit the close <laughs> button on Instagram on the battery thing. So, um, so uh, uh, yeah, my dad's actually my dad's favorite Springsteen song is Sherry Darling. Is it? And I think my dad notoriously and me as well had a difficult time with uh, the girlfriend's parents, you know. So and uh, there's always a running joke. My dad and my uh, my his mother-in-law, my grandmother, they have a great relationship. But uh, you know, it's that classic, uh, you know. Son-in-law, mother-in-law relationship. So I think there's some funny, some funny backing to that. So yeah, this, uh, yeah, it can be. Uh, you know, when you realize, you, you, when you get married, you, you think you're marrying your 
girlfriend, fiance, whatever. But yeah. the, you know, there's all these other people that come along with. Yeah. The same thing with her. She's Isn't not marrying true? you, and there's all these other people that come along. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it we are always expected to get along with with her mother, but they're not always expected to get along with our mother? I I don't know. Yeah. Why is I, I'm not quite sure. You know, my my mom is pretty easy to get along with, so I've been lucky. You know, and my girlfriends have been lucky in the past. Uh, but uh. Yeah, I, I, you know, I have a good my girl's mom. She's pretty cool now, you know. But uh, I've had some, you know, some rough, pa- some rough go at it. You know, my uh, my ex girlfriend. I, I love that line in, in Rosalita about I know your mama. She don't like me. Yeah. I play in a rock and roll band. <laughs> right. Your dad don't dig me, but he never did understand. And you know what? That's a fun song, but that line is pretty serious. You know, it's, he yeah. never will understand. You know, so uh, I definitely had that. My my first love of my life for her dad, you know, it was funny. I, I, I spent some time working for Toyota and he actually had a private car dealership, you know, and uh, he definitely didn't like that I was in, you know, the same business or whatever at the time that he was in, which is pretty, you know, ironic now. But uh, yeah, I think there's, there's something about a, uh, there's something about people play different roles in your life and maybe something with uh, the girlfriend's mother, you know, and the importance of becoming a woman, maybe something to do with that. I, I'm not quite sure. Well, and, you know, as far as their father goes, like you just said, that line in Rosalita, you know, no no father wants to hear their their daughter, you know, the apple of their eye, so to speak, or, their, you know, come home and, and have their daughter say, you know, Dad, I met a guy. He's beautiful. He's fabulous. He's great. I love him. Oh, my God. Well, what's he do for a living? Oh, he's a musician. Oh, he's a musician. Yeah. Oh! So you're cool with being poor. Yeah. <laughs> do you realize? And he'll be gone. And be, uh, well, yeah. you know what? Even even my, my, my girl's parents now, they're very they're very supportive of, of, of my music and my traveling and stuff. But in the very beginning, they were just like, you know, not, not sure about the whole thing, you know? And... Uh, then when they started seeing, I, I moved to Miami, started you know playing an open mic, and I was very blessed. Within three or four months, I was getting shows on the regular, being asked to curate events at big places. I was very very blessed to walk right. into it, and uh, after a while, that they were like, okay, you know, like they they saw that you know I was gonna work at it, put the time in, and that people appreciated what I did. So uh, yeah, I was very lucky. You know, I just did a tour fundraiser before I went just to raise you know some money and. Uh, uh, I think they donated like 100, 150 bucks. So that's a that's a nice uh, nod of support. So that's a couple really thanks, nice. I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that'll get you. <laughs> that'll get you from Miami. I think it's let's see. I think it's like 120 dollars will get you in gas from Miami to About North to Carolina. Jersey. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no. It actually, gets me all the way to Jersey. So oh, my car's go. good. I got a Camry, so it does pretty well. Oh, there you go. See, if you're just tuning in, this is Rock on Radio, 609-241-7103, if you want to give us a call. Um, if you're listening to us on the podcast, we won't be here if you call. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now's, now's your chance. Now's your chance. That's right. Uh, what's your uh, social media? It's at Taylor. Well, on Instagram, it's at Taylor James Davis, T-A-Y-L-O-R, James Davis, D-A-V-I-S. And uh, on Facebook, it's official Taylor Davis. Uh, I am on uh, TikTok now. I, I watch a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk, and he's a very motivational guy out of New York. Uh, has a sports agency as well that represents the players on the Giants and Jets. And I listen to him for motivation. He says, you know, for musicians in 2020, if you're not on TikTok, you're going to miss the boat. Like people miss the boat on Instagram and stuff like that. So I'm on TikTok, Taylor James Davis. I'm not really on Twitter too much or Snapchat or anything like that, but. Uh, Instagram, I, I try to post a video every day of playing in a location, whether, 
Yeah, I saw a beautiful view in Langhorne the other day, pulled over and got a little video to put up for people to see. I, I got a nice following and built my social media all organically and naturally. Uh, you know, don't pay for followers or streams or anything like that. Uh, so the people that do follow me, you know, it's not, I think it's like at this point, like 14, 13, 1400 people. Uh, but they're all real people, you know, they're all real right. people, not bots and stuff like that. So that's important to me. And most of the people that have followed me are people that I met in Kansas playing or Nebraska or Colorado or Jersey or Kentucky, Alabama, Indiana, wherever. And those people, hopefully they'll come back and see you play. That's, that's the game. You know, nobody makes any money off records anymore. So, uh, I heard Bobby say on a podcast that we did, uh, the dime store jukebox, a friend of mine, Keith puts on here in Jersey. He says, uh, Bobby said, we're in the business. I'm paraphrasing, of course, because I don't know by heart. But he says we're in the business of going to places and and earning people one by one, you know. And yeah. that's true. That's really true. So that's what social media really allows me to do. So one of the things that I do, uh, as well as radio, is I'm an entertainment journalist and I write for uh, New Jersey Stage Magazine. And oh, then, okay. Then it gets dished out to New Jersey Arts. NJArts.net um, and entertainment.com, and there's the Rock Rag out in LA, and a thing called Making a Scene. I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of places I can post stuff that take my article every week. Yeah. And um, I can't for the life of me, I think it was the bass player from Collective Soul, because I'm very fortunate in the fact that I get to interview rock stars. Yeah. Almost every day. And the one. The I think it was a bass player from Collective Soul. Anyway, he said to me, he said, you know, two things. We're, we're A, we're like time machines. Mm-hmm. You know, people listen to us and they go back to when they were maybe, you know, a teenager or when maybe they were getting married or maybe, you know, we take people back with our music. Yeah. You know, and he said that's the great thing about music in general. It allows you to to evoke memories of the past or, or in not, of course, not the future because you haven't gotten there yet, but the, you know, the past, he said, but the other, um, the other thing is that, um, with that, he says, you know, I don't look at it like I'm playing to 20,000 people. Yeah. He said, I play to individuals. Because you could be standing next to somebody at a concert and you could take away something totally different than that person standing next to you. Yeah, more than likely you will. He said, for instance, let's say, you know, we play all our hits, but we don't play the one they wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. So the person on the left is like, oh, my God, they played, you know, everything but this. And the person on the right is like, oh, man, that stunk, man. They didn't play the one I wanted to hear. Yeah, which means yeah. that you got you have an incredible catalog. All right. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. exactly. But so he said, you know, we play to individuals because everybody that attends a concert sees something different. Yeah. And hears something different. Yeah, you're playing for that front. You're playing for that front row. Or those, you know, the group of people there. You can't see the guy up in, you know, section 333. Way you know? in the back. Yeah. So you are playing for those people. I, I know that uh, I heard, uh, I studied all the interviews of, of these people, you know, when I, even before I started playing. And I, and Bruce, uh, or it was Van Zant actually, that said that uh, 
uh, the Super Bowl, he says, you're not playing for the billion. You know, how, how do you do that? You, you can't do that. You're playing for those people right there in the front. And for years, they held off, Bruce and the band held off from doing the Super Bowl because they wouldn't allow the people to come up that close to the stage at the time. Right. And finally, you know, they, they allowed them to do that. And because of that, you know, that's that's it. You're not playing for the, you're not even playing for the stadium or the, the billion people watching. You're playing for for those people right there in front. So, yeah, I believe that's true. I believe that's true for sure. So There you go. If you're just tuning in, my guest this afternoon is Taylor Davis, and he brought along with him Dylan Schindler over there, who's uh, sitting quietly. <laughs> I'm just soaking it in there. Soaking it, it in? Is there so, you go. so cool to hear you guys uh, spewing all this knowledge. Well, what's, just, your, what's your social media? Give us that knowledge. My social media is yeah. Dylan Schindler Music. I have a page on Facebook. Uh Instagram predominantly, and then on Twitter, I believe I'm Dylan S. Schindler, or Dylan S. Music, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> I don't really, oh, you're not too active really on Twitter, neither one of us. So much, yeah. but. Uh, Twitter, I hear, is, is, is on its way out. Well, you know, I don't really keep up with, with the stuff like that, but my, my girl's always like, why don't you have Snapchat and filters and all this stuff? Like, <laughs> I'm just not – there's if – I, if I had all the social media streaming, you know, platforms, uh, I wouldn't have a life. You know, right. there's so many out there, you know, Twitter, exactly. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, yep. Snapchat. You know, there's just there's TikTok, so TikTok, I haven't even heard of that one. Yeah, it's like a video-based platform, you okay. know, short videos and stuff. And uh, that was one of the reasons why I never used Instagram. I was, you know, uh, you know how they uh, they number like Elks Lodges and things like that, that um, as they were like produced, like the, the, the Elks Lodge in, in Trenton is number 105. I mean, mm-hmm. there are thousands of them across the country, yeah. but it was they number them as they come into existence. So uh, the Masonic uh, Lodge that I used to broadcast from in Lambertville was Lodge number 11. <laughs> you know, so it was one of the oldest in the uh, – Dylan, he's trying to get your attention. But uh, you can just hand it to me. Just hand it to me. Go ahead. <laughs> was uh, Lodge number 11, right? Yeah. Like, so if they did that with Instagram, I would have been, like, in the top 10, I think. Because I'm like, oh, what's this platform? Let me check it out. Then within like six months, everybody and their mother wanted to be on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's well, true. It happened fast. It really did. But the reason why I didn't bother with Instagram and why I still don't, I mean, I'm doing it more now since the podcasting thing came about. But the reason why I didn't bother with Instagram was because they limited the videos to like 15 seconds or something or 30 seconds when they first came out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was different. Now it's now you can put them out for a minute, but you can also do the Instagram TV uh, button and you can put out, you know, longer videos. Right. So, yeah, that was that was an issue, but I I found myself using Instagram 10 to 1 more than I was using uh Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. I, I there's a tab on Instagram when you post something that you can hit that it'll go straight to Facebook. Right. That's, so that's, well, that's basically what I do, if they right? see yeah. something on my Facebook page, more than likely it came from my post on Instagram because you'll see the hashtags and stuff at the end. Right. And uh, I just I don't know I like using the platform better. You know, now when I when I started with Facebook, it was actually people posting about. Oh, Danny Coleman, I'm going to be on the radio today, you know. Now it's like more people are sharing like 
whatever, you know, pictures of animals or pictures of fashion or politics Mm -hmm. or food, you know, it's more become like sharing other content now more than original content. And I still see that even if it's a tribute page that someone has to Led Zeppelin or whatever, they're putting their own spin on it. It's not sharing other people's stuff. It's putting their own spin on whatever, writing a nice little, most of Instagram for me is about reading the interesting captions, you know. Uh, the history stuff, you know, the music history pages on Instagram are great, you know, so. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's do some more music. Yeah. Why I, not? Uh, what you going to do? So I'm on a New Jersey radio station. I'm going to play this one. Um, so I was writing my last album at a little house in uh, northern Alabama, a couple hours south of Nashville. And um, I had this song. I had read this book called Nowhere Fast by Kevin Waltman. And um, it's about kids in Indiana that got in trouble because of the fact that there was nothing to do. It was a fictional story, but he had grown up in Indiana too. And it is a story about people that get kids that get in trouble because of the fact that they have nothing else to do. And when I was in Kansas, I sent these people's house, and uh, this lady, she was a single mother, she had a, a young son, and uh, the police brought the kid back to this this house in this little town in Nebraska, and he'd gotten in trouble for stealing like three dollars for the stuff at the dollar general so he was young he was only like 12 13 years old so they weren't going to take him to jail or anything like that but they knew the mom it was one of those small towns so they brought him back to the house and had it talking with him his mom was upset and everything and uh he told his mom he said uh, you know what i had ten dollars in my pocket you know but he he stole you know for the thrill or for whatever you know he wasn't a bad kid or anything like that so this book and that experience made me think about, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I'm writing a new song that correlates with this song, and it says that uh, uh, there isn't uh, shit to do in Kansas. I don't know if I can cuss or not, but uh, so all we do is get in trouble. Uh, and uh, I think that was the case. So I was writing this song after reading that book and having some uh, some experiences, and um, I couldn't get the second, or the first verse done. I wrote the second verse first. I knew it was the second verse. I had a course done. So I went to uh, North Atlanta in Kennesaw to uh, Springsteen's book signing. And uh, a friend had gotten me a ticket. So I'm thinking about what I'm going to say in my 30 seconds with a guy who's been a hero. Finally get up to him, and uh, as a grown man, I ask him for a hug, you know. And he said, oh, bring it in. So he gave me a hug, and I turned to him, and I said, you know, I thought of a million things to say to you. And uh, really what I came up with was that I would just want to thank you for being an influence on me becoming a singer-songwriter. You know, uh, your influence has sent me a long way already. And he said, he looked at me, and for being such a loud guy I had always seen for so long, he was very quiet. And he said, uh, oh, wow. He said, well, we turned to the camera and he said, well, many good fortunes to you on your journey, my friend. And I walked away, and everything was fine. I wasn't as nervous as I thought. But then when I walked away, my legs were weak, and I was just picking up each leg as I was walking out. And uh, so I went home that night, and I finished the rest of this song. So... The song's called Unlock the Chain. Good fortune to your son as you head on your way. Cause this house ain't no home, ain't no place to stay. And the sun, it don't shine in your backyard. They kick you back down every time you try hard. When the night gets dark, boy, keep yourself warm. Tattoos and short fuse, black uniform. Face to face with the north, face to face as I transform. Toe to toe with the devil in these thunderstorms. I saw the pleasure and the pain in the game. I see the numbers stacking up. These things will never be the same. When the preacher called me by name, I was slain. Inhumane, lost in the plains, restrained. The lost key remains, won't you? 
unlock the chain I'm still drenched in the night's rain I'm still lost in the night's pain Oh, she won't unlock the chain She won't unlock the chain She won't unlock the chain Oh, she won't unlock the chain Even when the pain still remains She won't unlock the chain Unlock the chain I'm driving paranoid through that Alabama night Itching for that moment that feels just right We got nowhere to run, we're going nowhere fast Living on a promise that we would die last I can't stay in this place that all it gives is pain We were washed by the tears and the fears of the hurricanes And we would change once more, never the same anymore Through the rain and the storm, I was drenched and scorned She was gone in the middle of the night The wind hit the flame and killed the wick from the candlelight or the engine from the truck ignite And each day to the picture that we used to be Wonder how you came to be standing all alone Holding the key, holding the key You were just holding the key to Unlock the chain I'm still drenched in the night's rain I'm still lost in the night's pain But oh, she won't unlock the chain 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 even when the pain still remains, she won't unlock the chain, unlock the chain. People in the field, they pray for rain. God's doing things every day they can't explain. So much joy brings so much pain. Break me free of these chains, let freedom reign. Break me free of these chains, let freedom reign. Let freedom reign. Taylor Davis. Ooh, where am I, Art? I'm not here. I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know what you did. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Could have been the same thing as me. It could be that cord coming out right there. Stuck together here. I got I got nothing in my headphones. All right, so that's okay. As long as we're on the air, that's all that matters. I can take these off. Um, there we go. Uh, fantastic. Thank you so, so much. So, Appreciate it. So what makes you... Uh, intertwine spoken word, rap, kind of, uh, kind of chili pepperish. Uh. <laughs> it's funny people use the word rap, and and they'll be surprised when I tell them that I don't listen to much rap music at all. You well, know, you got the, the cadence. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. You know, when I think about lyrics, my first initial thought is I don't think about them in a singing way. Some songs, it's not like that, but. Most of these songs on, on my last record, they, they come across more as a uh, that spoken word cadence. And uh, yeah, I mean, if I do have any hip-hop influences, it's Tribe Called Quest. You know, I think that uh, Fife, uh, Fife Dog from Tribe Called Quest is one of the best lyricists. Forget about rap or rock or country or dance, whatever. He is one of the best lyricists of all time. And uh, it's sad we lost him in the last few years as well. Uh, way too early, but he was a genius. You know, a lot of people believe pr production-wise that uh, Q-Tip is a genius as well, and I, I, I tend to agree with that. Lupe Fiasco is definitely an influence, but uh, he was the guy that when he reached the crossroads of choosing between commercial 
industry and making it to be epic, you know, uh, he chose to go the other route. He chose to focus on content, you know, and people, rap fans forget that, uh, you know, the, uh, the, right now the biggest guy is probably Drake or somebody like that. You know, Drake had, has more number one hits now than the Beatles, which is crazy to think about. And, but Drake started his career remixing kick push of Lupe Fiasco's. And now, you know, Drake performs for stadiums. Lupe performs for a couple of thousand people, but his content is way more, you know, way less commercial and way more, you know, hit you at your core like some of the great artists I like. So there's a few influences here and there. You know, I have a 22-year-old brother that always keeps me up on rap music, whether I'd like to hear it or not. And uh, so, yeah, there is that. But I don't know what makes me really think like that. I'm not quite sure. But when I think about it, I think about poetry. Probably because I was a writer long before I was a musician. I've only been playing the guitar for three or four years. You know, so my uh, my lyricism and my writing comes first. Basically, music became an avenue to express the writing, you know, not to express the music i'm becoming a better musician each day you know but I'm, I'm i see musicians around me you know and i'm like damn you know my my songs would be a whole different thing if i could play guitar like that guy everything comes in time you know so so all right well when you uh when you write so then i'm taking its lyrics first before you find a melody or sometimes you know sometimes with uh with uh that song it was really lyrics first and i was thinking about that i was just right into that you know, but uh, like with the devils are here, I was just sitting on my console and, and you know, threw in a couple chords with that, but everything goes back to that. Goes back to that. So the music came first with that. Um, I have this uh, new song uh, that I've recorded, but still working on it a little bit before we put it out. And it, it came to me, uh, not words first came to me. So uh, the more I get better on the guitar, when I started writing that last record, you know, I, I was still very early in my guitar playing, you know. Uh, thankfully, I feel like the record came out to nobody would know that when I tell people that they're very surprised. But um, yeah, recently it's been coming to me more in music, but but as a whole, probably more lyrics first. So writing to, to a, a metronome of some sort, you know, and then adjusting those lyrics and the way I present those lyrics based on whatever music comes out of it, so... It's funny, there was a comedian some years back who uh, uh, made the comment about Bruce Springsteen. Uh, he makes a billion dollars telling you what he did that day. You know. Yeah, and telling you about the lives of the people uh, around him. And, and so last night, one of the people that have been a guest of this program, God, probably about four or five years ago now, it's a woman by the name of Sandy Grosso. Okay. Okay, and uh, according to Sandy, now she's a jazz vocalist, and she's she's went to uh, she went to school with Bruce. According to Sandy, that song, "Paradise," you know, Fourth of July, Asbury Park. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Sandy. Yeah, was written about her. Was whoever and, he was dating at that time, you or, know, or apparently he wanted to date. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, I don't have a, a, a verification on that and other than from Sandy, but she talked about it at length on the program Yeah. about that. Uh, and I, so last night I'm, I'm driving home from the Hopewell Hayride art, <laughs> which was actually very well attended last evening. It was a great show. I got the files. Yeah. We had Jet Weston and his atomic ranch hands were the, uh, 
the uh, the the featured act. Anyway, uh, so as I'm driving home, Fourth of July, Asbury Park comes on the radio, and I'm just listening to the lyrics. And one of the things that I I I thoroughly enjoy about Springsteen, about Bob Seger, about Tom Petty, or these are the artists who paint pictures with their words. Yeah. They cinematic. Take you, they take you back to, uh, you know, and the line that's in Fourth of July at Asbury Park, you know, the cops finally busted Madame Marie. Yeah, for telling fortunes better than they do. You know, you yeah. go down to the boardwalk and you can see Madame uh, Marie's Temple of uh, Knowledge. They're one of the first know? places I went in Asbury. Was it Just really? because of that song, you know, and the casino, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, they dance like Latin lovers along the shore, yep. you know. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm very... I made all those trips. I went to I went to the house on Randolph Street. You know, I went to uh, the house in Homedale on uh, on the summit. You know, where Telegraph Hill that name really came from, mm-hmm. uh, and where darkness and and the river were written. I've been to uh, uh, the little house in Long West Long Branch. You know, uh, Weston Court where he wrote Born to Run. You know, I've been I, I made sure that I went to all those. So, I mean, a couple of those Street? places I took. I did. I did. <laughs> and uh, a couple of those places I took uh, Jared for the first time. You know, there's a great picture of the band when they're about to go uh, out on the river tour and it's at that house in Homedale and I showed it to Jared we went to the door we knocked on the door before we could even tell the owner who he, who Jared was they said uh, he said oh you're Clarence Clemens son like he looks just like Clarence Jared does out of all the, the brothers he looks like you know, uh, I don't and know. Nick is a Nick is a buddy pretty close yeah and but you look at in here and since he's Nick lost literally Nick was I think over 300 yeah, he lost a tremendous amount of weight. Yeah. And he lost a couple, close to a couple hundred pounds. And he, the more he loses, the more he looks like his father. Yeah, and Jared, Jared, it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, you got to do a double take sometimes. Yeah. But anyways, took him to this spot where the photo was taken. We asked the owner if we could take a photo on the stoop. And Jared posted a side by side, standing in the exact spot that Clarence stood at. And these things, you, you can't, you now can't put a cool. price tag. Yeah, you yeah. can't put a price tag on those things. And there's. I've never believed in magic, you know, or or spirits. I'm a spiritual person, but I haven't believed in like spirits and stuff like that. But let me tell you something: being in Asbury Park, you know, and hearing stories from people, you know, uh, we were in Farmingdale to see the Winos, Vinny and Gary play, and um, this guy was telling me a story and showed me a picture that he used to fly planes, and he has a picture of Danny Federici. He used to fly Danny places, and then you go to these places, you know, the Boardwalk or wherever, the Pony. And you can feel, especially Convention Hall, you know, Lopez said to me one time, he says, you know the story about, you know, up top in Convention Hall, what goes up there? And I said, no, tell me. He's like, ah, oh, well, that's for me to know and for you to wonder about. So <laughs> they believe, these guys believe in the spirits, you know, and, yeah. and it's hard not to be in these places and not and not feel them, you know. So I, I never got a chance to meet Danny or, or Clarence, you know, but... Uh, you just feel those spirits, you know, especially being on the road for a couple of weeks with with the uh, with, with the blood and you know and and knowing knowing Nick now, you know, you feel that stuff, you know. So it's uh it's for me history has almost everything to do with it. You I could tour anywhere, but I tour here because you know I hope that one day my name could be a part of that story in in some respects, even if it's in a small way, you know. So well, good for you, man. It's uh I I the first gig I ever did in Asbury was. Labor Day 2009. Okay. Okay. Or 2000, no, 2000, not 2009, jeez, 2007. Seven, yeah, 2007. Uh, Labor Day weekend, it was at the Wonder Bar. Okay. And uh, friends of ours in a band called Agency got us on the bill. 
and there was another band called Status Green, and they used to have 52 passenger buses of vans that would just follow them everywhere. Two of them pull up. So Labor Day weekend, Jersey Shore, Wonder Bar, freaking packed, right? Yeah. Whoa, I'd been with this band exactly two weeks. I'd learned all their originals. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I could get used to this. Yeah. You know? And and it was just fantastic. And from that day on, I started to um, become part of the Asbury Park scene. Little did I know that two years later, I would start this radio program in 2009. Yeah. Uh, and there used to be a fellow that ran the music uh, at Espresso Joe's. His name was Kishore. Mm-hmm. And he moved to Georgia. But in April of... 2010 I believe it was he uh, asked me to be a presenter at the first acoustic jam awards in Jersey and uh, I was like I guess I've been accepted into part of the community yeah and from that point on I just started meeting people and and becoming intertwined the thing that I find about the Asbury Park uh, music community Excuse me. Ah, take a drink. <laughs> Is that they're very welcoming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, uh, you know, uh, Jared and I came up last year for, for the Big Man Bash, like I was saying, and uh, we booked some shows around it and stuff like that. And people, I mean, of course, you're coming with it with a Clemens, so there's going to be a certain level of acceptance. But now I've been twice on my own, and... Uh, yeah, the relationships we've established. I mean, Matt Cook is a good friend. He's a musician uh, oh, yeah. out of Asbury, and uh, uh, he's a hardworking musician, great sound. Uh, Dylan, you know, Bobby, uh, James, and the rest of Bobby's band, uh, you know, uh, Rachel Anna Dopkin, uh, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, you could you name people. Uh, of course, uh, Vinny and Gary and the Winos have been fantastic to us and treated us so great you know we, we go and see that show at Woody's on Sunday that they do and they always make sure that we got a seat right up there you know uh, they took uh, pictures with us no problem in the very beginning when we were you know just uh, honored to, to get to meet these guys um, so yeah very very accepting and uh, I mean you see it with with Clemens now you know I mean he came up here on a couple tours and uh, and now you know he's a part of Telegraph Hill putting out records played you know the big Wonder Bar show played the Pony a few times already you know, uh, they're very, very accepting, and and I think that's that's a good thing because in Miami, you know, I, I consider myself uh, a big part of curating the the artists, especially the acoustic artists, and uh, you know, it's like uh, not not as a whole. You can't say a whole blanket statement for everybody, but it's. Uh, there is some jealousy whenever you see some people around you doing well. You you feel that. You feel like people, uh, you know, you see a friend, something good happened for a friend, and you see another friend, you know, maybe you feel a certain way about that. Uh, and I think that's maybe just natural human nature, you know, unfortunately. But uh, I definitely press upon, when I come back from New Jersey, I'm so excited about, you know, uh, helping with the curation of the scene in Miami because of all the, the motivation that I was left with. So, yeah, and I see it around here a lot. I do. But, but I, I've even tried to do my part here of introducing people that don't know one another, 
you know, and uh, that's important. That's important to me. And uh, last night we were at Union Beach outside, and uh, I bummed a cigarette off this guy, and we were just talking about music. And uh, I was like, do you know Bobby Mahoney in the Seventh Son? He's like, no. I was like, well, let me help you download that music right now. So it's important to me to to spread these people, you know, because they deserve to be spread, especially when they take a guy from Indiana who lives in Miami and helps them out on the road, you know. I mean, you, you got to do what you can to, to, to give that back, so. Yeah, it's a, it's very important I think to give back to the um to the community where you're you're trying to establish yourself. Uh, to yeah. any community uh, really. That's why we do uh, well art uh here at the COA radio. COA actually stands for City of Angels. Okay. Which is um you want to tell everybody art what the City of Angels is cuz art is heavily involved. Well, in we just kind of help guide people with addiction into treatment and you know, we don't charge anybody for anything. We just kind of try to open doors. That's fantastic. That's so needed right now. Mm-hmm. You know, in a in a society that we live in that uh, has been overtaken. Even uh, personal stories that of people that I know by prescription, you know, medications and stuff like that, and, and an out of control pharmaceutical, uh, you know, uh, big pharma. Uh, it's definitely amazingly necessary. So. Uh, thank you for doing that for the people. It, it means a lot. Yeah, I lost my nephew a year ago. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear about that. Yeah, right after this show, actually. Mm-hmm. Right after one of our shows, Art's phone rang, and I think you were out of here in 30 seconds flat. Yeah, it was the fastest I think I ever left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen it in my own life. Someone very close to me uh, uh, got in an accident, you know, and the doctor prescribed medication, and... Uh, Five years later, you know, uh, this person that I know was in a hotel room going through detox and uh, felt like his skin was being peeled off of his bones, you know. So it's it's not fun, but you know what? Uh, it's it's definitely a, a numbers game because you, you're going to lose people, unfortunately. You know, it's 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 the worst. But if there if there's somebody or s- some people that can be saved, you know, there's man, some what good a true that can honor come to save. From it, you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what, and, and that's the. You know, that's the, the, the quote-unquote, there's always a quote-unquote thing. You know, that's the thing. Uh, the thing is that people, uh, some people get addicted by accident, mm-hmm. like you were just saying, and, and most people get addicted by by choice. You know, nobody forces you to take that first that first shot in the arm or that first pill or, you know, you've Whatever. made a decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and City of Angels is just here to make sure that uh, we stop you from making those mm-hmm. decisions. But. So, uh, matter of fact, if anybody out there is listening right now wishes to become a sponsor of Rock On Radio, please do so by making a donation to the City of Angels. If you make a donation to the City of Angels by going to cityofangelsnj.org, and just in the notation, make whatever donation you can make. I don't care if it's $5 or $105, a million and five. I don't care what it is. Make a donation just in the notes. Put Rock On Radio and let me know what your business is. And I will make you a sponsor of this program for 30 days. Oh, not fantastic. only do you get the four live shows or, or more that, that happen, right. but you get... All the replays, and I have seven. I have eight affiliates now, uh, especially since we added Radio Vegas. Yep. Radio Vegas rocks Monday nights. Uh, so tomorrow night you can hear us at 1 a.m. Actually. Plus we replay these shows over 
you know, plus art replays these shows. Yeah, and I we have affiliates in the UK and the US and Canada. So that's fantastic. Um, your business will get literally worldwide exposure. Rock on radio can be heard somewhere seven days a week. That's fantastic. That's so, great. Uh, I will make you a sponsor. Um, okay, so how has the tour been going so far? So far, so good. Uh, first night was in DC at the Electric Maid, and uh, they had had some remodeling issues and. We weren't sure if the show was actually going to go on, and then I arrived, and there were some people from uh, local D.C. building permit people that that, uh, closed the venue down because it wasn't safe to bring in all the people that we were going to bring in that night. So the first show uh, didn't really happen, but uh, the guy was very generous. He paid paid me, you know, which on the road is, is, you know, huge. huge. And uh, a great place. It's been in in business there for like 40 years, and uh, just going through a remodel and had some hiccups, and I I know his brother's going through uh, brain cancer right now, so he's just a very solid guy, and and the place will be back up and running in 2020. So that was a little unfortunate because I was excited to play for a new crowd. It was my first show in D.C., but the next night I was at a familiar place, Bob and Barber's on South Street, and Bob Dix is the owner of that place, and he is really going out of his way to make sure that live music stays going on South Street. So uh, that was a lot of fun. And on a Wednesday night, you never know what kind of crowd you're going to get. We had a fantastic crowd. They do like $4 whiskeys, and you, uh, you get a shot of whiskey, and you get a Pabst beer. He's been doing that since like 1970-something. And uh, so that brought in a nice amount of people. Then Thursday, I was at the Chubby Pickle in Highlands, New no, Jersey. Oh, the Chubby Pickle. With uh, my, I played there my new friend Cranston Dean, who does all the music there. And... Uh, uh, I'm actually, a little shameless plug, I'm going to be opening for them at the Asbury Yacht Club this Saturday night. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we just, Cranston just asked me to do that a couple of days ago, so that's that's an honor. They're a great band. And, I'm uh, a big fan of Langosta Lounge, so. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. I've had, We saw uh, their big show last last year on a Friday night. Uh, who was there? The guy from Joan Jett's band was playing guitar with uh, with uh, Brian Kirk and the Jerks. and also, Ricky Bird? Uh, yeah, it was Ricky Bird was there. And... Uh, my friend Zach Sandler was playing sax on stage, and there was also Eddie Teston. His band was there, and uh, they rocked late, late in the night. It was a lot of fun. But uh, uh, where was I going? We were talking about the tour. Uh, so I played the Chubby Pickle. Yeah, I'm bad about getting off, like you were saying. And uh, I played the Chubby Pickle, and then me and Dylan played Langhorn Friday night mm-hmm. at Manny Brown's uh, last night at Dowling's in Union Beach. And then today we got the show in Ocean Grove. I'm finally off tomorrow, which my voice thanks me for. And I got Thursday in Brooklyn at... Uh, private little show that's kind of like so far sounds it's called the gamba forest i have friday at wicked willies on bleecker street in new york city oh nice and uh then i'm back there thursday and then at night i'll be at desmond's tavern in new york city uh friday at the pony with bobby mahoney and the seventh son and the berkeley after party and then sunday at the yacht club so yeah i stay pretty busy when i'm on the road i don't like to just when you when's out. it done when you're going back home uh, i'm going back home a week from today i'm gonna wake up early and drive back to miami so and then sleep yes <laughs> right and catch up on lost sleep so dylan in in langhorn mm-hmm. uh what was the bar that you played in langhorn manny browns manny brown so my parents own a restaurant right next door to that which uh, is called called, called moishinitzies okay so they're like uh new york deli like as good as it gets in in bucks county pennsylvania mm-hmm. uh compared to new york and there happens to be a bar and uh I started gigging this year, and they, I think that was actually my first real gig, was uh, at Manny Brown's. A three-hour set, had to get three hours of music ready. Doing cover material? Covers, I like to throw in some originals. Tonight, uh, I'm especially excited to be able to do some originals because original it's more, yeah. more a showcase 
Um, it's nice when that happens. That's why I love the transparent gallery also, because it is you could do whatever you want. Right. There's uh, there's always going to be people walking in the door. You don't have to keep anyone's attention. You don't have to keep people in to get drinks because they they don't have a bar. Uh, I just love that place so much. Um, and I love places that allow us to have showcases and do our own songs oh. without any pressure. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, many of them, at least in this area where you're at right now, many mm-hmm. of them have gone by the wayside or dwindled to, to next to nothing. Sad. Um, it is. It's very sad. Uh, there's two bars in, in Trenton. Uh, one caters to metal, the other caters, caters to punk. So, you know, the singer-songwriter... Uh, venues have dwindled down to a handful, if that, of mm-hmm. coffee houses. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah we, uh, the right. place we're playing tonight, uh, Odyssey Coffee, the owner, his name's Joey Lip. He's got a great place that's been open for about six or eight months. And uh, in September, uh, I came up to open for Jared in the, the late nights at, at Clinch's. It was the start of their little Jersey tour. And um, I had to plan some shows around it. You know, one show is just, you know, you can't come up just for one show financially. And so I just called this coffee house, and I was like, do you do live music? And he said, uh, no, but, you know, we'd like to, and I'm, I'm open to the idea. We started talking, and he let me be the first music show that they ever had there. Now they're doing more music stuff, and and we developed a nice relationship. He's an Ohio guy. I'm an Indiana guy, so it's kind of like Jersey and PA. And uh, I told him, I, I would call him, I said, hey, you know what? Ocean Grove doesn't really do any light-of-day type events. Uh, I'd like to do something, you know, at the start of the week, and... Uh, uh, Bobby already told me he'd be down to do whatever I wanted to do and I already knew that I was going to do something with Dylan on the tour and uh, we were looking for one more musician and, and Jennifer was just perfect for it and, and brought in the, the female aspect and um, so he just was like yeah I'm down to do it so it's kind of like a living room type show but uh, I think that yeah more venues should singer songwriters are, are still going strong still traveling uh, still making great music so there should be more rooms, you know, because the ones that do have the rooms, they're like last night, you could have met nicer people than the people we had at Dowling's. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's cr- critical. I think the day that people stop going out and seeing music, I mean, I know people that are 67 years old in Asbury Park that go out to see music four or five days a week. Yeah. So that's important. That's important, you know, not just for because the Because they audience. can in Asbury Park, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you can um. go to... A lot of places in Asbury. So. Is that uh, in in Langhorn? I broadcast. I broadcasted maybe six or seven years ago. Now I broadcasted from a hookah lounge. Mm-hmm. Is that still there? Um, right on like Main Street. So I don't know I Langhorn that well. Okay. I know the only hookah lounge I know is in New Hope, New Hope, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. No, this was on the other side. This was in the. This was in Langhorn, right in. Like, so you were broadcasting straight. From there? Straight from the hookah lounge. Did you have the hookahs on the there was did hookah. you have table? Did you have your own hookah or no? Oh, yeah. There was hookah everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because you you walked in and you, I mean, literally, when they, the old expression, you could cut the, the smoke with a knife. Yes. You could cut the smoke with oh, a knife. God. I could not see, you know, you're sitting, what, three feet from me? Yeah. I couldn't see you in front of me. That is, and and I'm not burn. even exaggerating a little bit. This place was mobbed, and you. But the beauty of it, I walked out of there, not one bit of odor on my clothing. 
Yeah, yeah. I've smoked hookah here and there in the past, but it's been a long time. It's been a few years. So. I was like, wow. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with nicotine, so, yeah. <laughs> but there, uh, well, they had some that were, that were, you know, there was no nicotine. They had some that you just kind of was like, I guess. Flavored. Uh, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. So that's what I did, because yeah, I, I don't a, smoke cigarettes. It was so. a precursor before we ever knew for the, the vapes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? First. Hookah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then a cat appeared, and there was all kinds of stuff. Yes, Art? It's a little hard to carry that hookah around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and lo- get your coals lit, right? Uh, well, we got about a half hour if you want to give us a call here on Rock On Radio. Uh, our guest is Taylor Davis, 609-241-7103. If you have any questions, uh, if you are pod, if you are listening to this via podcast, you can uh, uh, go to dcror.com and email me if you have any questions or anything that uh, you want me to forward along to uh, Taylor or, or Dylan. I will gladly do so. Uh, or you can find them where uh, you find me on Instagram at Taylor James Davis or at on uh, Facebook at Official Taylor Davis. Uh, like I said, I'm on TikTok recently too with a couple music music things, and uh, that's at Taylor James Davis as well. So, okay. How about you, Dylan? And I'm Dylan Schindler Music. It's Dylan, not as in Bob Dylan, but D I L L O N Schindler, as in Schindler's List, and music as in what Taylor's been playing for us. Yeah. So uh, that's on Instagram, Facebook. So Dylan uh, Schindler's, Schindler's List. Yes. Yeah. Right. Oh God. Yeah. Don't even get me started. Did you I've catch heard. abuse when that movie oh, came out? I've heard that a lot. Plenty of times. <laughs> plenty, plenty, plenty. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Um, let's do some more music before time gets away from us. Sounds good. Uh, I believe it's track number f- uh, six on the album. Um, you were talking about happy songs. Uh, Always you? Yes, yeah. Um, you talk about happy songs, and this is one of the first ones I felt like I wrote that was a legitimate. Uh, I had met my my girlfriend, but we weren't uh, we weren't really in a relationship. I was in a place of, of self healing, and uh, uh, but she was definitely there for me uh, significantly more, you know, than than anybody else for uh, a good stretch of time. And really, uh, I got to see how important she was. And I wasn't really writing this song about her, but now, ironically enough, I, I say that the songs, you don't know what they're about when you're writing them. They kind of speak to you later and tell you what your songs could talk to you, you know. And sometimes for the good, and sometimes you're like, oh, damn, I <laughs> I need to listen to my own songs a little bit more. And uh, this song kind of, in a weird way, is, is a, about her. The chorus says, uh, it was always you, my special friend. Time with you is time better spent. Uh, it was always you, my special friend, my special friend until the end. But it could be about, you know, a friend, someone that you love, someone close to you. And uh, it talks about maybe reconnecting with somebody after losing connection with them. Uh, the second verse, maybe one day you'll be at my show and hear the stories and never seen you grow. And we'll plug back into that flame that lights us. We'll stand fist air against armies that fight us. So it could be about a lot of different things. It's kind of wide open for interpretation, but it's it's one of the most realistic happy songs I've ever written. So. Well, there you go. Um, the lyrics don't sound too happy there. <laughs> you'll see. You'll see. There's a yeah, lot of them. I'm lyric drunk sometimes, so there's a good amount of them. That's okay. All right. Uh, this is Rock on Radio. This is Taylor Davis, and this is his song called... Always You. When the morning comes, I lose track of the days. And all the ways your hair moved out of place. It's gone like a vapor. I'm always trying to get it back. Always looking back in the head all crash. And now I... I see your face and other faces A moment heaven collides A hell ray 
Davis here on Rock On Radio, and that was called Always You. There you go. And nice upbeat rhythm. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> see, it makes you feel a little happy, you know. So, I always have to crack up when a lot of singer songwriters, you know, they write these these gloom and doom tunes, or they all want to save the world. Yeah. And I, and I got to a point a couple years back, and Art will tell you, because I used to say to him, I'd be like, doesn't anybody write anything happy anymore? Yeah. That's why you I know? wanted to play that. I could have played some other things for you, but you, you brought up that question in the beginning, which I thought was a great question. And uh, I wanted to play that for you. That's about as happy as it gets for me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a song at the end of the record called What a Beautiful Place. And uh, that song is... Uh, is about starting new, you know, and that's a nice happy song. But besides that, that record's kind of filled with like darker stories and stuff. And uh, there's even a blues song on there. The the album was kind of meant. It's not based around an aesthetic sound or a sonic sound. It's more based around uh, just showing people a variety of what I could do, you know, of different things. So the next album's a little more 
focused amount of concepts. So, were you recording it in the same place? No, actually, uh, I just started working with a new producer. I was working with the same producer for eight or nine years, and uh, I just wanted to do something different, you know. And uh, I'm working with River Seventy One Studios in Little River, which is uh, uh, in Miami. It's there's Wynwood, and there's Little Haiti, then there's Little River, and you can still see all of downtown, but there's a lot of little cities within Miami, it feels like, and I'm recording in Little River, River 71 Studios with a guy named, uh, uh, he goes by Eons, or his uh, acoustic stuff is Johnny Diesel, and just, I knew him for a year and a half, and we talked about the studio for a while, he didn't put any pressure on me, just said, hey, when you feel like recording your next record, let's, you know, take a look at my studio. And him and the guys put a lot of work into this studio. You know, they put a lot of money into it. I, I've never worked in a studio like this before. So, uh, and, you know, he, uh, he takes good care of me. And uh, I recorded my new single. Uh, it's called What Kind of Man. I'm going to put it out next month. And uh, that's a whole other story, that song. But uh, we recorded it, and I just love the way that it sounds. And Johnny's, Johnny's a genius because recording a guy singing and playing the guitar and the harmonica is you know easy for him when he's recording bands and you know things that have 50 different layers and stuff so recording making me sound good is is uh really a piece of cake to him and uh he just has a he's a musician himself so that always makes it always helps yeah are you a big layer kind of guy or you like to just go with a raw natural no you know what nebraska was a revelation not just to me but I, i heard ed sheeran say recently that he will have an album in the very near future that will you know, sound like Nebraska, you know, and uh, Castle on the Hill. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that song, Ed Sheeran's, but he wrote that after listening to The River. Okay. And uh, that kind of Nebraska and Ghost of Tom Jones showed me that less is more. Dylan's early stuff, to me, is the best stuff, you know, Masters of War, uh, you know, there's a, a Bob Dylan's Dream, you know, all those early songs, a song for Woody, all that stuff is stripped down, and it's fantastic. John Prine's one of the best to ever do it. You know, and all of his stuff is stripped down like that. So, no, not a big layer guy, not a big layering at all. And even on the first run of this new song that he sent me, some early uh, mix and master cuts, I was like, I don't like that at this point it sounds like there's two of me singing. I'd rather just have one, you know. And before you know it, he's like, okay, I'll take this away, I'll take that away, I'll take this away. Before you know it, it was a lot a lot simpler. We're going to throw right. a violin on it. There's a, a local violin player named Frank Busa in Miami that's going to uh, play on it and uh yeah, but I want to keep it. I mean, you hear on this album, there's there's a lot of sound in it and, and stuff. And uh, immediately my next reaction was, oh, you know what? I, I want to do something that's a lot less, you know, because right. now I'm playing live. To play those songs live with all that band stuff, you have to strip them down. And sometimes it doesn't work to strip them down. But, mm-hmm. you know, Unlock the Chain, Phoenix City, that's on that record. Uh, Dirty Annie and the Mad Butcher, Always You, those songs can be stripped down, but the rest of them really can't be, so I want to make a record of songs that I could play every single one of them live with just an acoustic guitar, so that's been in my mind when I write now. So. Oh, fantastic, because so many times a lot of, I don't want to say a lot, but there are there are there have been multiple bands that have come through here where they produce these albums that they can't possibly recreate live mm-hmm. with the same effect. Yeah. And I just never understood why somebody does that. If you can't play it live, why would you put it in on mm-hmm. well, I think a studio album? You know? Sometimes people look at the record as this giant, giant thing, and it is. I'm still a believer of, I mean, I call them records, and I'm 26 years old. I'm still a believer that the albums and the records are super important. Uh, you know. Uh, well, I in mean, essence, they are a record. They're a record of what you did. 
Yeah, they are. Just yeah. what form that's in is is another thing. Well, it probably rubbed <laughs> off on me because all my fa- all my guys, my favorite muses and stuff, they use that that term. So it just kind of rubbed off on me. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's an issue that that I, I dealt with with this album is is you know unless I do it with a band, which it could be recreated with a band very similar to how people hear it on the record, but. Uh, by myself, it's just like people. They'll hear my live performance acoustically, then they'll take the record home. They'll be like, "Holy, who is this? Is a different guy." And it's not. It's me, you know. But it's, it's a whole nother thing, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's a tricky thing. So I, now, when I'm sitting writing the songs, I'm, I'm thinking about that less is more concept, for sure. When I was 15, that's the first time I went in a recording studio, hmm. and I'm. I've told this story multiple times on this program, but uh, since you're new. And we have a whole new podcast audience. I'll tell it again. <laughs> First time I ever went in a recording studio, uh, the guy who did it now lives out in Las Vegas, a fellow by the name of Tom Moralta. And Tom was the only, he was the only gig around, the only one who had a uh, 24-track recording studio in his basement. And back then it was big money. This was 1977, 78, something like that. Back then, it was big money, 25 bucks an hour. Yeah. Okay. But two-inch analog tape. I'm not the kind of drummer that overfills. I'm the kind of guy who... Uh, Sit in where you fit in. Exactly. I don't... You know, I stay within the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But yet, here I am, first time ever in a recording studio, and I'm thinking, I may never be in here again. So when that red light went on... I became instant stupid, you know, instant yeah. idiot. And all of a sudden, I'm filling all over the place. I don't know whether it was nerves or whether it was the fact that I'm thinking this is going to be on tape forever, you know. Uh, and he actually stopped the recording and he called me in. He said, I need to see the drummer in the in the sound booth, please. Just a drummer. I go walking in. I'm like, yeah. He goes, look, kid, less is more. He said, when you do less, you'll stand out more. Amen. And he said, because when you do decide to fill, it's not going to stand out if that's all you're doing is filling. Yeah. And at that point on, like at first, when he first said that to me, you know, a lot of guys would be insulted or they'd be, and I realized, yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm not doing what I usually do. Let me just go out here and play. And I kind of just blocked out everything. And played like I would have played if we were on stage. And I sit back and there's, we recorded three or four songs, whatever it was. And I sit back and I listen to them. And in this one particular tune, I really didn't fill at all. But the one time I did, stands out. Yep. And it's like, wow. Man, I used to be able to play. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm sure you still got it. But but less is less is definitely more. The biggest thing is is I had a nine year relationship with my former producer and now you're going to the studio with somebody for the first time. You yeah. know? And I was then, gonna ask you about that, but I don't know if you wanted to push no, uh, no, across there, that line. No, no, not at all. It's it's not a problem. I uh 
it, it is a lot to get used to because there's an unspoken language with somebody you've worked with for almost a decade. You know, I've been recording. I went in the recording studio for the first time in a mobile home trailer in Bonita Springs, Florida. Uh, the road's paved now, but it used to not be paved. It was dirt, divots everywhere. It, and driving through it was a, a real killer on your suspension system on your car. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was like 16, 17 years old, and I'd been writing like these like remix songs to like – it could be where some of the hip-hop stuff comes from, but they were like beats of some sort, and musical beats, and I would just do the vocal over them, basically, at the time. And uh, now, after all these years, when I made my last record, there was just things where he would know what I would like or something. He would say, oh, well, let me let me play, let me put this on, you know? We wouldn't even have to talk about it. We actually had a much, we never really hung out as friends, me and my former producer. We had an amazing relationship in the studio, and then as soon as the studio session was over, even though we were around each other a lot, you know, his his wife and my mother were actually friends uh, for for quite some time, and uh, we would just we didn't have a relationship outside of music really. We couldn't like sit and talk like that. Um, now you're going in with somebody that I mean I've known Johnny for a year and a half, very talented guy, but. The relationship is good, but being in the studio, you're building a relationship. It doesn't matter if you know the guy for a year and a half or two years or whatever. You're starting from scratch when you sit there because that producer-artist relationship is different than your friend-and-friend relationship. So, yeah, yeah, and I feel, you know, felt a lot of pressure recording the last single to make sure that it was great because I'm in this great studio with this great producer. I think the song's great, but now is the time to really prove that it's great. So, yeah, I felt that pressure for sure, but... uh, um, I'm hoping that each time that we work together, it'll be a little less pressure, a little less pressure, because at the end of the day, the song is never more than what it is than when you go in there to record it. You know, you better make sure that it's ready. Right. And I thought I knew what I wanted to do when I went in with it, and it actually turned out that I ended up doing something a little, a little different than what I thought. So, yeah, less is more for sure. There's, there's an acoustic guitar, a harmonica, and uh, no, actually, there's acoustic guitar, a violin, and me singing on the, on the next single. So. That's that's what I like. That's how I like it. And uh, the current single. The current is, single is called "The Devils Are Here." And that's the uh, one you played at the beginning of the program. Yeah, yeah. There's a <clears throat> on that. There's a little slide guitar, very small amount. Uh, there's a small amount of percussion, but it doesn't come on until uh, till I believe the chorus and the second verse. Uh, and my acoustic guitar, a little bit of bass that I played, uh, my harmonica, and the vocal. So. It's pretty stripped down, but out of all the songs, that song and another song I'm working on called Black Dog, uh, Churchill used to talk about depression as the black dog that walked beside him, and I thought that made for a great song of some sort. So, and I'm writing on some mental health ideas, and uh, those are going to be the two most up-tempo type of songs like that, you know. So I figured a little more could go into those. So, but not too much, just just the right amount, hopefully. All right. Have you always wanted to be a musician? Uh, no, I think I've always wanted to do something with writing. I think okay. it was first since I was six, seven years old. I was writing these fictional stories. My my uh, parents had a typewriter for some reason. They never used it. It was like a new newer school type uh, typewriter, and I would write these you know stories on them or you know enter poetry contests as a kid, whatever. Uh, I remember I wrote a poem in the seventh grade about Martin Luther King that won a, a state competition, and I think it was early on in those days I was like, oh, you know what? I may not be great at this, I may not be great at that. I always wanted to play on basketball teams. I got lucky enough to do that in high school, but uh, before that, I you know, couldn't make a team in middle school. It was all about you know, whose dad was who and whose mom was who and you know, who worked for who and stuff like that. So, and my, my, my dad's always owned his own business, and my, my mom, God bless her soul, has always been a stay-at-home mom to me and my, my uh, 22-year-old brother. 
So we we didn't have any name in the community that I grew up in. So that that played a big factor. And I was like, you know what? None of that matters with my writing. You know, I can write whatever I want and get it out there like that, whether it's for my friends or for whatever. So I think I've always wanted to do something that involved writing and creativity. You know, uh, I made a student film when I was 17. We never finished it, but we put a lot into it. And, uh, yeah, always something creative, always something to do with writing. I wrote that screenplay, which was like a couple hundred pages, and I, I couldn't focus in my junior year of English. I was writing this script, <laughs> you know. I wasn't interested in, in what, the. you know, uh, Bruce said it best. Bruce said that the American education system is catered to one mindset, to one learning mindset. And, you know, a lot of the times if I missed out on something or people that I knew missed out on something, the train just kept moving. You know, it didn't matter that you missed out on it. So I think that I just wasn't interested in, in a lot of the things that they were teaching in school. I didn't see how it was going to be of value in my life at any time. Not everything, of course, but a lot of stuff. And But writing, I was always escaping from that, being stuck in class to writing whatever I was writing at the time. So music became an avenue of... Hey, you know, all the best writers I like are not book writers. They're Neil Young, Bob Dylan, Springsteen, you know, John Prine. Uh, I'm a big fan of John Fogarty's uh, music and CCR and John Cafferty as well. I'm a big John Cafferty guy. So all these people from an early age had a huge impact on, on my imagination. So I think those things just kind of crossed over into one another. When I was a senior in high school, I needed to fill up my class schedule because <clears throat> I had met all my requirements. I had my my two years of a college prep math i had my two years of english you know uh, which i took for four years because i too have enjoyed writing since i was in the fourth grade uh but the two best classes i took number one uh was business math mm -hmm. and i'm not a big mathematics guy i drives me crazy but business math did things like taught me how to fill out a tax return a checkbook <laughs> Um, you know, how to uh, squ uh, take square footage and, and apply it to this and that. and Actually applicable information. Stuff that you use every day. Yeah, yeah. not Y plus Z equals, you know. Yeah, M MC squared. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, so, uh, but the second class, and this is a biggie, and the teacher knew, the teacher actually said to me, take that book, put it in your, take it home with you, man. Don't worry about it. At the end of the year, you know, I have to turn your books in. Teacher said to me, go ahead, you can take it home. And that was a book that was called When the Mode of the Music Changes. The class, poetry. Yeah. When the Mode of the Music Changes, I don't know the author off the top of my head. I don't remember. But it was nothing but what are now classic rock songs, which were contemporary back in the day, but it's so, it's the Stones, it's Dylan, it's Bob Dylan, it's the Rolling Stones, it's the Doors, it's all these various classic rock artists who, they're, essentially the lyrics to their songs were poems, and the one that stands out in my head, uh, Street Fighting Man by the Rolling Stones, yeah. is uh, about this turbulent time in London when, you know, there was the revolution in the late 60s, and... Yeah. And early 70s, uh, and how the kids are in the streets, and so on and so forth. And it was those two things, that silly business math class, which I, I don't think I had to add more than four plus four throughout the entire thing, but business math and poetry that have stayed with me. And I graduated high school in 1981. You know, my son is a year older than you. Okay. okay. So, <clears throat> and, uh, uh, and like I said to Dylan, my daughter just graduated from Monmouth back in 
what's this, 19 or 20, so it's Mm -hmm. uh, 18. She graduated from Monmouth in 2018. Uh, So I've seen a lot, you know, come and go. And here I am. I graduated high school in 81, but those two things still stick with you. Almost 40 years later are still sticking with me. One of the best best lines in music of all time in my my book is, uh, we learn more from a three-minute record than we ever learned in school. That's a great song. That yeah, entire tune takes me back to when yeah. I was a 12-year-old kid. Yeah, yep. they, they play it now with more vigor. Than, uh, and you, you can't even listen. This is a great thing about Bruce. You can't listen to the record and appreciate it as much as you can appreciate it live. I they actually play like, the yeah. wheels off that thing live. I actually like the acoustic version that he did, though. Yeah, yeah, that's that's at the... Uh, it's on the 75 to 85 Just him and the harmonica. Live. Yep, yeah, on the box yeah, He was doing that at the time for Van Zandt, who had left the band to do his own thing. Right. You know, and... Uh, uh, that was basically like uh, I miss you, my friend. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, you can hear that, and uh, yeah, I mean the acoustic versions of those songs are great. But yeah, I think that when I look back at the classes that had the most impact on me, it was uh, it was teachers that were unique. You know, my photography teacher freshman year, Ernie Clark. I'll never forget. He uh, he's a track coach now, and uh, for Ashton University, and he just you know. Uh, really put into my creativity and one of the few that I can actually actually remember to be honest with you my fifth grade sixth grade teacher was a big Neil Young fan and uh, came out to see one of my shows in Indiana and he was a huge influence when I was a young kid so uh, yeah I, I, I tend to see in my own I believe there's a lot of great teachers out there I tend to see in my own story there was few that really put in, you know, the, the applicable amount of time. And there was less applicable information, you know. That, but you never True. know, you know, like you were saying, uh, I, I mean, I'm old enough to have had a home ec class, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, you just don't see anymore. I have a but you've also brother. grown up with the Internet. Of course, yeah. So, and, yeah. yeah, see, there was none of that. There were no cell phones, no Internet. Yeah, you I know. remember the first smartphone coming out, which was, you know, like the first iPhone or something like that. Uh, but my first phone as a kid, which was huge, I was like 13, and I got a flip phone. Flip know? phone, oh yeah. So uh, yeah, so I'm old enough to remember the before, before the <laughs> smartphone world, you know, the social media world, which I'm grateful for. I mean, we grew up uh, right at a generational crossing to where it could have just been all internet and all television, but it, you know, we grew up playing outside, right. and uh, my dad was a professional dirt car racer, and we. You know, rode on four-wheelers and rode our bikes in the dirt and got muddy and, you know, made our own. You know, we were in Florida. I remember, never forget, we were in Okeechobee, Florida. My dad was racing, and uh, we had nothing to do as kids, so we took a bucket, cut the bottom out of the bucket, and put it up. Uh, My dad bolted it up on a post, and we shot the basketball through it, you know. So I'm glad that I grew up like that. I wouldn't have wanted things any other way. I wouldn't want to be, you know, from anywhere else than Indiana. I'm proud to be from there. And I'm, I'm proud of growing up the way that I did. So. And it influences who you have become today. Yeah, um, all sure. right, so real quick, what do you have, Dylan, coming up for gigs? Just tomorrow is the last thing that I have in my immediate calendar. Or no, no, today. And then I have this 16th. Um, what day of the week is that? I can't even know what day of the week it is. That's Thursday. Yeah, so this Thursday at Langosta Lounge in Asbury. There's going to be Jared Clemens in the late nights, um, a bunch of students from Monmouth, uh, myself, and then Vinny Lopez and Monmouth University alumni. Okay. And we're going to be playing all night. I think it starts at 7 o'clock. And Our good friend Zach Sandler's putting that yeah. on. So. Right. Yeah, Zach Sandler's been a big part of that. All right, now you've got 
what can we expect if we're going ocean grow it's a private event or a public well, event? Uh, we're selling tickets for ten dollars and it's uh we only have a few tickets left but people are more than welcome to come and pay ten dollars at the door and come and see the show starts at 6 30 we go to 8 30 it's basically all four of us playing 30 minutes each mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah, it's at Odyssey Coffee. So I say, I say private. I mean, you know, it's basically, you know, it's not really private. Small Where's Odyssey into, Coffee located? In uh, Ocean it's Grove. In Ocean Grove. Uh, I can get that address real fast. It's uh. By Clancy's. That's all you need to know. Yeah, it's not that far from Clancy's. That's all I do know. <laughs> it's right down the street from there. But Ocean Grove is not crazy. Uh, crazy. Yeah, Ocean crazy. Grove's not um, that big. Uh, 50 Main Avenue. Oh, okay. Unit number two. Main Avenue. And uh, it's a small little coffee house. I mean, if we have 25 people there, that thing is going to be sardine packed. Um, So besides that, as far as locally goes, uh, I'll be doing a a special song with Bobby Mahoney and the Seventh Son at the Stone Pony this Friday night, which is going to be one of the most uh, historic, legendary things that I've ever done. Uh, But I'll never forget. Then we'll be at the Berkeley Hotel for the Light of Day after party that Bobby's throwing. Uh, I'll be opening Saturday night for Cranston Dean and his band at the Asbury Yacht Club. And those are basically the last local things I have. I'll be in New York City and Brooklyn throughout the week playing at Wicked Willies and Desmond's and the Gamba Forest. So, yeah, my tour's about halfway over. So. All right. Well, unfortunately, that's it. Our time is up, 4.30, right on the dot here this well, afternoon. I really appreciate you guys for everything, not only that uh, you do for the community, but for uh, making me feel welcome and uh um, it was Bobby, and it was actually Jesse Warren as well. Oh yeah, uh, told me to reach out to you and uh, your generosity and, and having me come on. I really truly appreciate it. So thank well, you. Thank, yeah, you, thank you for you making much. the appearance. Thank you, Dylan, for for uh, tagging for, along and for letting me sit. And it was great hanging Just out with us, even hearing everything. All right, thank there you, you brother. Appreciate it. Thank you there so you much. Go. All right, so tonight at the Odyssey Coffee House, six thirty. Uh, you can see Taylor Davis and uh, Dylan. You'll be there, right? Yes, as well? of course. Um, there you go. So Jennifer thank you, man. and Bobby as well. Jennifer so. and Bobby Mahoney. Yeah, we're so super excited. Uh, and hey, fantastic. I want to say right now on the air, I'm going to talk to Bobby, and I know Bobby. Uh, I'm not sure when, what date, but we'll make sure that we get Bobby in here. That'd for sure. be fantastic. So tell him I said you have my words. There you go. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Today's guest was Taylor Davis and Dylan Schindler. Until tonight, 7 o'clock, Matt Portella right here, coaradio.com. Rock on! Thank you.